Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. All right, good morning. Um, Happy second first Sunday of 2023. Uh, kids, and, and also with you. Uh, kids, uh, <clears throat> uh, if you want, we have Elevate this morning, and we have EGC. So uh, EGC will head out this door. That's second, third, fourth, uh, third, fourth, and fifth, second. Younger kids are over here with Elevate. Older kids over here. Um. And the older kids will go and do the uh, <clears throat> New City Catechism, and they walk through those with the questions and answers. Uh, let me start off this morning by reading our text, because I totally forgot to have somebody come up and read our text this morning. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, verses 12 through 15, uh, if you want to follow along with me. Paul says this, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved... Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule or dwell in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. All right. Uh, every year in January, part of our rhythms is we go through uh, the beginning of the year, we talk about personal disciplines. The middle of the year, we talk about communal disciplines. And at the end of the year, we talk about missional disciplines or practices. And so at uh, the beginning of the year, we talk about these spiritual practices, these personal practices. How do we practice being a follower of Jesus. How do we practice trusting him, believing him, following him, beholding him, remembering that he loves us, uh, building and growing our relationship with Jesus? This takes practice. Uh, it doesn't take practice to be saved. It takes practice. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the two major themes of the Bible that we don't talk about very much, remembering and waiting. It takes practice to remember what Christ has done and that that's true. And it's not just true today, it's true tomorrow, Monday morning. It's true when the clock strikes midnight, we get to a new year. These things are, this is true, and it takes practice for us to remember that. Uh, Tim Keller would always used to say that Christianity is a pathway, it's not a door. We have too many things in our world that are doors, right? You open it and you're there. And all you need to do is just walk in and you're there. Christianity is a pathway. It is left foot, right foot, daily practicing and remembering, remembering what Christ has done. And it's not because that makes it more, it, 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 it's not because it makes it more real. It's because we have, to be, we have to remember it. We have to believe it more. Um, so uh, the packages that we kind of put these overall personal practices in, these personal disciplines, are prayer, meditation, study, and fasting. And we're going to take 
uh, January, and we're going to talk through all of those. Yes, including fasting. Everybody calm down. I know how excited you are for fasting. Um, But we're going to talk through all of those. Uh, Within each of those broad categories, there are a ton of ways to do that. There are a ton of ways to meditate, to pray, to... uh, there's a, a lot of things we can fast from. There's one that was generally practiced in, uh, throughout history, but, uh, and ways that we study and what we study and how we study. Um, and so there's lots of ways that we can do that, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, talk through those in January and even practice some, and we'll do one of these uh, later on this morning. This morning we're going to hit on forming habits of meditation. What does it mean to meditate? What does it mean to uh, Really, to let the peace of Christ dwell in you richly is the end goal. Now, some of you may hear meditation and you may think, uh, I don't know about that. Um, we have, there, there is a distinction between biblical meditation and probably what a lot of us default to or think about, which would be more Eastern meditation. Uh, Eastern meditation has a lot more to do with emptying your mind uh, and, and pulling away and emptying your mind, uh, pursuing Zen or enlightenment, biblical meditation is actually filling your mind. It is filling your mind with the promises of God. It is filling your mind with what has been accomplished. It is filling your mind with the good news of what Christ has accomplished, which that's studying, that's memorization, that's what we dwell on, what we think about. How does that begin to sink in? Uh, And the end goal is not to be withdrawn from the world, but to actually be fully present so that in every scenario, in every situation, the truths of what God has accomplished are not far from our minds. And so we want to, as as Paul says here, letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Um, Oftentimes, though, and we're going to kind of get a high-level view of, of meditation, often what we're filled when we think of of uh, biblical meditations or what it means to be a Christian, too often I think we fill our hearts and our minds with the shoulds of religion versus the truth of what Christ has accomplished. I should do this. I should be this. I just need to. Right? Is that anybody else or is that just me? All right. Good. Uh, We're all in this together. Um, This makes the practice of biblical meditation critical. It's critical. Because so many times I feel like when we start to question things, we question the shoulds. We throw off the shoulds. We say, I'm going to be free. I'm going to throw off the shoulds. And then we put a whole new set of shoulds on us. Uh, And uh, so, biblical meditation is critical. Um, I've shared parts of this story uh, a while, and... Uh, By the way, if any of you ever go on from here to preach, always, always, always make sure to get your family's permission before you share stories about them, Um, which I have done in the past, but I try to honor this every time, and and I forgot to this morning, so I had to make a quick check uh, with Cooper to make sure it was okay to share this story, and he was gracious as always. Um, When he was younger, our oldest son, when he was younger, he is incredibly talented uh, artist. When he was younger... um, I had a chance, when, when he and I were both younger, I had a chance to sit down with a guy. He was a seminary president. There was just a few pastors, and we got to sit down, and, and I started talking about my 
artistic but like frustrating son. And if, you, if any of you have kids that are more artistic, uh, people would say, people would always say about Cooper, you know, well, he thinks outside the box. And I'm like, well, he doesn't know there's a box. Like there's, it's not the, um, there, there are, there are uh, Super Mario 64. Is that it? No, that's wrong. What is it? What is, what's the game we always played? Super Mario 64. Is that the name of the game? All right. Where I would try to like achieve the goal and he was finding secret passages and how far he could jump off the island and do it. And I'm like, we're, we're competing. We're supposed to go down the slide, not jump off how, how high you can jump off it. And, uh, and so um, <clears throat> this guy started sharing with me that he had a son that was also, that had these artistic things and, and communicating with him was, was hard. And there were times, especially when they were kids, where you felt like all you were saying is no. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Don't do this. Don't do this. And if you have a child that's artistic, you, you can identify because everything is their art studio, right? They know no bounds. You, you can make anything into a beautiful piece of art, whether it comes dirt coming into the house or, or whatever cardboard boxes, uh, and it can be, it can be frustrating. Um, and so he was talking about an older gentleman that, would get, that was giving him advice uh, for parenting, and he said, he said, when you feel like, especially when you feel like all you're saying is no, all you're, feeling, all you're saying is stop doing that. He said, uh, to speak identity first. Speak identity first. I love you. You're my son. I love you. You are my child. Stop doing that. <laughs> and one night, and usually I tell this with another story, but one night, uh, this, was, this was junior high time frame, and uh, we got into one of those misunderstandings, uh, Cooper and I did, and uh, a very passionate discussion where I had to remind him and me that I loved him and that he was my son. Uh, and by the way, I, I just want to tell you, I was talking to a therapist friend of mine, Christian therapist, and, and he did say, he said, if you ever lose it with your kid, one, it's to be expected. It's to be expected. You are probably going to lose it with your kid at some point, okay? But what he said was, if you lose it with your kid, that's okay. You have not ruined them for life. Other things we do will ruin them for life. And then just take that to the bank. Like we will, we'll all need counseling. Um, but he said to be quick to make amends, to be quick to reconcile. As soon as you can calm down to go back in. And so that was one of these nights where I had to go back in. And I told him, I said, son, what you did was wrong. And I don't, I, I kind of remember what he did. I said, what you did was wrong but my reaction was too much. It was overblown. And I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And he has always been so incredibly gracious to forgive me. Yeah, Dad, yeah, I forgive you. And so then we got to talking. <clears throat> and, I, and I would tell him, I love you. You're my son. And so then we got this big, long conversation in which I talked not only about what it meant that he was my son, but also some things that he was facing. I mean, it's junior high. and junior high, I don't wish that upon anybody. And so there were hard things that he was dealing with. And we were talking about if you are loved here and you're firm in this identity here, then what does that mean for the things that you face in the world that you can not have to hold so tightly onto? And one of the, one of the tracks that we started going down is uh, with, with drugs and alcohol, and he was concerned. You know, what if somebody offers me a cigarette? What if somebody on the bus offers me a cigarette? And, um, and so we were talking about that, 
And, and what I said was, because my son is very gentle heart and very polite, and I said, well, first, you're not obligated to take it. For anybody here, you are not obligated. Like if the drug dealer offers you something, you're not obligated to go, oh, thank you. I don't want to make you feel bad. Um, so I said, one, you're not obligated to take it. Two, if you do, if you do, if peer pressure wins the day, if somebody talking you into this has its victory, has its moment, come to me first. Come to me first. You come to me, we can talk about this. We can get this out into the light. I can give you a full pack all at once, and then you will never go toward tobacco again in your life. Whatever. But come to me first, um, and, and we can fight together. The worst thing in the world, I said, if you don't, then you forfeit my help. If you don't come to me, you forfeit what I can help you with. You forfeit me being on your side. And then you have to fight this on your own. And I said, the worst thing in the world will be if you get, to get away with it and you start to get away with these things. Because then you will learn how to have a hidden life. And that will destroy you. But come to me and we can fight together. This is what Paul is telling the church in Colossae, and by extension us. He reminds us what it is to be a people of the resurrection, what it is to be people who have been bought and purchased by God, that we have been raised to walk in the newness of life. When you remember that you have been raised with Christ, you see those things that are not you anymore, and you're able, with help, out in the open and honest to put those things to death. Paul talks about these things in Colossians 3 earlier. He says, before he says what we are to put on, he says we're to put to death what is earthly in us, our old self, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Um, put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to each other. These are the old, this is the old self. This is not who you are anymore. You don't have to jockey your position to be valuable. You don't have to look down on others and elevate yourself. You don't have to use others for self-pleasure. It's not who you are anymore. You are loved and called and holy and set aside by the God of the universe. And so walk in that way. Um, as John says, this is how we practice walking in the light. Uh, and when we do that, these other things can begin to lose their appeal. They can begin to be put to death. And those are always, it's always a slow death. Some of those can be slower than others. They're hard. So, but the trick to them, to these voices, these former things losing their appeal, is not simply the shoulds. It's not crushing yourself with guilt or shame it's not white-knuckling it. It's not walking in and going, all right, this time, this is the time. I'm never going to do it again. I'm never, never, never. This time, I've got victory. I'm never doing it again. That, honestly, what that leads to, I think in those moments, I think shame has its heyday. And shame's like, amen. Yeah, you tell me. Tell me what I'm doing. 
And then he lays low. And then our enemy comes back in and says, hey, remember that thing you're never going to do again? You did it? I, I mean, I'm just, let, I'm just telling you. You said you're never going to do it again. And then we, that leads to a hidden life. That leads to us going, okay, this time now, this time. And then we hide it and pack it away. But when we bring this out, when we bring it out, we have our greatest advocate. We have community that we can fight together. The enemy wants to seek to, to separate us, to get us to hide these things. And that's where he pounces. Remembering our identity. We hear from Paul, we hear from other followers of Jesus when we read scripture, when we study scripture, when we say it to one another, that we have been raised. And this is, this is repentance and faith. This is uh, confession. It's turned to trust. It's not just behavior modification. It's hearing from the God of mercy and grace. I love you. You are my child. This is not who you are anymore. Dwell on these things. Practice these things. Put these on. Fight together. And then Paul goes on to the next part in uh, Colossians 3, uh, which is what we're covering this morning, what we are to put on. And I love this chapter of the Bible. I love Paul because he addresses both what we are to put away in sin and what we are to put on. And we, like everything we do, we tend to divide these in our culture. We have a side that's just about putting away sin. Stop sinning, stop sinning, stop sinning. And we have another side that's like, it's all about love. We just need to love, we just need to love, we just need to love. And Paul's like, yes. Quit making each one of those your righteousness and enjoy the benefits of both. Fight sin because it's not who you are anymore. Remember that you have been raised with Christ and that you are loved and put that on. And so Paul gives us a way to practice what it means to be raised with Christ, to dwell in these things. And I've given you a few things to memorize. I am not a fan of memorizing verses out of context, all right? Uh, with the, the coffee mug, I can do all things through a verse memorized out of context. Uh, I am a fan of memorizing long passages of Scripture. Memorize a full psalm. Memorize a, 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 if you can memorize an entire Pauline letter, that's awesome. Um, this first part of, of, uh, of uh, Colossians 3 is a great thing to memorize. Uh, you can memorize all of Colossians 3, but then it starts breaking down a little bit. But memorize through verse 17. I can't read it without those. Um, and let that dwell in you. Remember who you are. Remember what Christ has done. And let that come out in, in times of your life. So Paul gives us what to practice. And why do we practice these things? Because it's who we now are. It's not what we should do. It's not, well, if I'm a good follower of Jesus, then I'm going to be doing these things. Practice these things because in Christ, as you follow him, this is who you now are. This is your new identity. So put this on. Put on compassion. Because you are chosen, because you are beloved, because you have been set apart, you're holy, put on compassionate hearts because Christ has been compassionate to you. Put on kindness because it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance, that we can come to him honestly and we won't be put to shame. But when we don't come to him, we forfeit his grace and mercy. Put on humility because the more we discover that we are deeply loved by God, we can also discover that we are deeply not God. 
put on meekness. And I love this interpretation. February, we're going to get to Sermon on the Mount. I love this interpretation of meekness. Surrender. Put on surrender. Patience. Because God has been patient with us that we are patient with him and with one another. Put on forgiveness. Forgiveness that is costly, that is hard. That Jesus didn't just look at our sin and go, eh, all right. But it was costly. Let that compel us to forgive. And above all these things, put on love. All right, this is Paul. All right, this is not, this is not, lovey-dovey, uh, you know, rainbows and cotton candy, feel-goodery type, you know, this is deep, transformational love. Hard, bearing with love. That reminds us that we have been, in Christ, we are made new. We are made new. And let these things begin to seep into you. Meditate on these things. Dwell on these things. Let them memorize passages of Scripture and, and let it drip into, let it confront areas. Uh, and and we are, we, as we meditate on these things, we are slowly becoming who we were created to be. And this takes practice. It just, it takes practice. Um, and so uh, it takes forming habits to remember uh, and it takes forming habits to practice this. Putting off, putting on. Dwelling, meditating, beholding the goodness of God, and letting this sink into every nook and cranny of our lives and of our being. Now, sometimes I can be idealistic. Uh, so I fight against being idealistic. Because I'm, sometimes I'm like, we're loved by God. We walk out of here and we're totally new. We never have to deal with this stuff again. Um, and that's not true. You are loved by God. And you walk, out of this here, you walk out of here this morning and you will have to deal with this again. I can almost promise you. Practice remembering what Christ has done and walking in that. And, and when you blow it, come to him. And then you fight together. Come to community where you can be reminded that's not who you are anymore. Um, so, Here's how we're going to finish this morning. I've, uh, I've uh, asked uh, Tiffany Neville. She's uh, one of our women's ministry leaders. Um, she is, has uh, certification in spiritual direction, and she has spent a lot of the last few years uh, studying spiritual formation. And so I've asked her to come and share just a little bit about developing these habits that have shaped her. Um, and then she's going to lead us in a time of examine. A prayer of examine is an ancient practice. It's been around forever. Joel talked last week about preaching the gospel to yourself uh, over and over again and allowing others to preach the gospel to you and in turn preaching it to them. Uh, and so uh, she's gonna, this is a practice that we're going to do together. And it can be really, really helpful as a form of uh, uh, preaching the gospel to ourselves. So, um, yeah. All right. Go. Hi, guys. Um, so as Trey said, my name is Tiffany Neville, and um, 
I really appreciate that Trey brought things down to our relationship today as he's talking about um, how we let God's word fill us. Um, I was not raised in a Christian home, and so um, for me, I had a lot of um, just trauma as in my family of origin. And as I, I didn't become a Christian until I was in my 20s. And when I became a Christian, I was like, this is amazing. This is the best good news that I could ever have. To me, it was really tangibly life because I just never had experienced that kind of love. And, you know, Colossians, the first thing it talks about is that you are beloved. And I think that as modern Christians, sometimes we really struggle with this idea of how, of like, how do we receive God's love? Like, we hear it, and I think that there's just this gap that comes from up here to down here. Like, what does that mean to us? And so um, as I became a believer and started to learn things, um, I didn't have that language of the church. And so these things were completely new concepts to me, and there was a like really steep learning curve to me. And so in my, in my beginning years of like learning about about God and about how that relationship looks in the fellowship of community and church. Um, it was always good news to me, but there was this um, formula that was coming up in my mind. It was really formulaic in my mind. There was like some very specific things. And I mean, I'm 44 almost, and so I grew up in the 80s and 90s. I came into the church like right at like 90s purity culture, so that's super fun. And so, um, and so, but to me that was news because I came out of a hypersexualized family, and so to me purity was like, yeah, totally, that's what we need. And so, um, so everything was, what my point is, is that everything in my mind became to have this like really rigid path for me. Um, and so uh, I, you know, like was taught, I immediately read the New Testament when I got saved, like the whole thing. I'm like, well, now what do I do? And they're like, well, how do I pray? And they're like, well, Acts is how you pray. You first, you adore, and then you confess, and then you give thanksgiving, and then you have supplication. And this was like, okay, this is how I pray. And so that was my box. That was how I prayed. And all of that stuff was great, actually. I grew tremendously. The Holy Spirit used that in me and formed me. My spiritual transformation was, um, was well on its way. But, um, but as suffering started to come into my life and as challenges started to come into my life, it didn't really have, like, words for that. And, um, and, and, the, and the church didn't really have words for me about that. And so then that started to bring up, like, my family of origin. I'm like, well, there's no words for these things. You know, like, what does that mean? And a friend of mine... Um, and when we, when we were out in Seattle, actually started to go to seminary at Dan Allender's School of Theology and started to share with me, like, what she was learning about spiritual formation. I never heard that word. I'd never heard the term, like, spiritual formation. And spiritual formation is just the process of how you are transformed into the image of Christ. And so, um, to me, you know, like, I felt like I was taught that there was, like, a way that it gets done. And it looks like this. You know, it looks like this specific way. But basically, as she started to introduce me to another word I didn't know, spiritual practices, I began to learn that it's not really like that, actually. Like, God, and it, was, and it really came back to that belovedness 
of, of he loves me. And I was talking to Trey earlier and I was like, you know, God doesn't work outside of who he made you to be. Like he knows who he made you to be and he actually works with that. And so the Holy Spirit desires your wholeness. As we look at scripture um, over and over again in the New Testament, as you read the gospels, what you see is that Jesus was always healing people on the Sabbath day. And that ticked people off because he was breaking the rule. Like, this was the rule and you're breaking it. That's all they saw. And Jesus kept asking them, yeah, but um, this is for wholeness, right? You know, like we, we worship a God of rest and he desires our healing and our wholeness. And so rest is part of that. There's this like really beautiful thing in there. And so as I started to learn how much God loves me and, and that, that, that how he works in my life is not opposed to my personality. It is not opposed to who he has made me to be. It is actually part of it. That he speaks to me uniquely, just like he speaks to my husband uniquely. There is a, there is a relationship that is honoring. God always honors who, we, who he has made us to be, is my point. Because he made us to glorify himself. You know, our theology backs that up. And so... Um, my, my, my process became so, like, I feel like spiritual practices exploded my life, my spiritual life, because they taught me that, um, that I have this access to God as a friend. Um, and scripture tells us that, John 15, as Jesus is praying, like, he says, you know, I no longer call you, you are not slaves, you're my friend, because a, because a master does not, you know, share his business and, and secret plans with his, with his slaves, you know, friends talk about those things, and so Jesus is my friend, and loves me like that, and there is this uh, relational aspect to it, it's been so helpful to me to think through the human relationships that I have and the perspectives that I have and the most beneficial one has been as a parent. You know, as my children, when I get angry at my child for something that they have done, there is an element of like, you disobeyed me and I'm so mad at you that you chose that. But underneath all of that, there is also this, I desire your wholeness and I desire your healing and you are living outside of the healing and wholeness that God has for you. And that upsets me because I desire your wholeness and your healing. And so that's helpful to me to think about how I love my kids. And even though they will choose things that are wrong, I will always love them and always desire healing and wholeness with them. And that's how God loves me. I, when I walk outside of the things that he has called me to do, I am always loved because he always desires my healing and my wholeness. And he will always come to me and he will always heal me if I will let him. It's that submission, that submission piece. This is a joining with. This is an invitation. And it looks different for different people. And I think that that's what spiritual practice has taught me, is that it looks different. And the way that I interact with Jesus is different than the way that other people interact with Jesus. But there is commonality. And there is uh, things that we rejoice over. And this creates this like body that is full because it has multiple representations of the mini splendored image of God, right? Like God is so multifaceted, so multidimensional that he's not boring enough to be one color and one personality and one way of coming to know him. He actually uses all things everywhere to fill all things everywhere with himself. And so everything that God has is 
is for him to fill. He will fill it. And so, um, and so today what I want to do is I want to talk with you. Um, I want to walk you through this practice of examine. Um, and I want you, we're going to start with um, some focusing. And so um, I want you to kind of sit in your chair, and I really want you to, like, feel your body. You can close your eyes if it's weird to open them. It's okay. And so I want you to sit with yourself. And I want you to feel your body. I want you to kind of dig your heels into the ground a little bit and feel your feet. And I want you to just be present with your body for a second. Um, and I want you to think about how God is with you at all times. That he is um, intimately involved in your life and watching and, um, and always involved with the details of your life. That he is there, that he sees you. And that, um, and that he sees every part of your day. Um, he, sees your, he sees your heart. He sees your anger, your frustration. He knows your family. He knows your story. He knows all pieces of you. You are fully known and you are fully loved. And so as you, as you have a moment, I just want you to sit in God's presence and, and recognize that he sees you and allow him join him in that scene for just a minute with your eyes closed and just a little bit of quiet we're going to take. God has been with you in every detail of your life and he will continue to be with you in every detail of your life. And so invite the Holy Spirit to come in to that time, to that moment, to that place. And we're going to look at the last 24 hours of our life. And so I want you to talk to the Holy Spirit, invite him to, um, to clarify your vision and help him to see what you, what he desires you to see over the last 24 hours um, of your days. The next step is to give thanks to God. Give thanks to him for the things that happened uh, in the last 24 hours of your day. Think about Saturday morning and maybe even review it like a movie. Like think about yourself laying in bed in the moment that you got up and go through your day. I'm gonna give you a longer pause here to do this. And I want you to think through your day and I want you to think about the things that you're grateful for as you think about the last 24 hours of your life. So start with yesterday morning and just review your day in your mind, fast forward movie form of these are the things that, that's, that I am grateful for, that I felt love. This is places I felt and experienced love in the last 24 hours. As you review your day, ask God, where did I receive love in the last 24 hours?
And as you think about the places that love was received by you, move to the places that you gave love. Where did I give love in the last 24 hours? If there are things that come up in that time where you realize that there are shortcomings, that there were places where you were not loving, where there were responses that you had to someone that were unkind, ask God to forgive you. And if there's a relationship that needs repair, ask God for an invitation to go and to do that repair, to make that amends. Remember that you are the beloved. God loves you and desires your wholeness and your healing, but he also desires the wholeness and healing of all people. And so as you move into this next session, next part of the examine, um, think about your day for the rest of today and even maybe tomorrow. But invite God to think about it with you. Don't go by yourself as you think about what's coming in the week ahead, in the day ahead. And if there's things that feel stressful or boring or full of grief, ask God to come with you in those places. Ask God for wisdom, discernment, love. Take a few minutes to think about what's coming ahead and ask him to be with you in that. Look with God and what concerns you, and remember that just as God has been with you, he will be with you in those spaces that are coming. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are involved in each detail of our lives and that you use all things to draw us to yourself, that every moment of our life is an invitation to wholeness and healing, and that you desire good in us so that we can walk as agents of redemption in this life and in this world and bring your kingdom to earth. Lord Jesus, we ask that your will would be done in the week ahead 
that our hearts would be turned not towards creating our own kingdoms, but that we would be turned towards inviting your kingdom to come and that we would do that in the ways that you are moving and speaking in our lives. Your word says that in you we live and move and have our being and all things in our life are little echoes of of yourself. And so I pray that we would honor you in the way that you invite us to join you in participating in kingdom work. I pray that our hearts would be turned, that you would just fan the flames of the desire in our heart, that if we don't desire you, that you would help us desire to desire you. If we're in a, if we're in a sad place, a dark place, would you draw us, would you reveal your voice to us, that we would have the path enlightened to us? Would you give us wisdom and discernment for how to love better, to how to love like you love? And would we have grace to come to you when we fail? that we would be willing to admit when we are wrong and that we would seek out opportunities for repair and healing because you have sought us out and for the wholeness of our spirits and our lives and our bodies. And we thank you, Jesus, that you love us, that you are for us, and that um, and for the invitation to come to you with all things. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, spiritual direction is just an opportunity. I forgot to say this. Spiritual direction is just an opportunity for you to take a time every month to connect with another trained listener um, in talking about your spiritual life. It is a place where for one hour you talk about how God is moving in your life. Um, I've, I've sent something to Trey before too. If you're ever interested in talking with someone, there's a directory that you can do a search that you can find people in our area that do that. Um, that's not a plug for me. That's a plug for spiritual direction as a whole in that all things in our life are happening. And like we think about how we have like coaches for our jobs and we have like coaches to be a better me and all this other stuff. But like, how is God moving in your life? And what does that look like? And, and are you attuned to that? And so a spiritual director is someone who just listens and they don't tell you what to do. They listen with you. And so if you're interested in that, come and find me after service and ask me questions. I'd love to talk with you more about that. The examine is a centuries-old prayer practice. There's lots of different ways that the examine um, is, is, uh, is prayed. Um, Ignatius uh, began it with the idea that it teaches us discernment for God's God's voice in our life. Like I said, that God's God's Holy the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and has something specific to say to you, and that He works with you and who He has made you to be. And so, in order to hear Him and hear that voice, we have to we have to train ourselves to notice the difference between God's voice and Satan's voice, the voice of the world, the voice of other, of other people, the voice of our family of origin. God's voice is different um, because he loves us. And so the examine, it can be prayed three times a day. You can pray it in the morning, at lunchtime, and in the evening before you go to bed. Or you can play, pray it at the end of your week as a looking at the whole week and where did I see God move this week? Where did I experience love? Where did I give love? Where did I receive love? You can do it for months. You can do it for a year. So there's lots of different ways to pray the examine, but the point of it is that it teaches you, it forms you to hear God's voice and to know how he speaks to you and how he works in your life. And so if you ever want to know more about the examine, I know we have a um, spiritual practice of that. And so we can get that out on the app this week so that if you want to pray that on a regular basis, then we can have that available. Thanks.
Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. <laughs> 